Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 233 for Monday, November 11th, 2019. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the show that is by, for, and about working musicians. Our sponsor for this episode is Band Zoogle, where coupon code GIGGAB gets you something. We will talk about that in a little bit here. But for now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in San Jose, California, it's Paul Kent. Yeah, man, it's uh, we're actually recording this a little early. Normally, we actually do record on Mondays, the days that the show releases. But we're doing this on Friday because of some travel schedules and, you know, life and all that crazy stuff. I um, so it's only been a few days since we talked, but I actually had uh, the first fling rehearsal with all five of us in a long time on Tuesday night. How long? Uh, well, we've played gigs together since we've had the last rehearsal. So certainly months since Aaron has been able to make a rehearsal. And, and actually, we were supposed to do it uh, the Saturday prior and th- things sort of fell apart. Aaron was mildly sick and I had a family sort of extended family disaster that was sort of blowing up. So we punted. And thankfully, I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but thankfully it happened on Tuesday night. And um, man. You know, we've played some gigs, of course, together, and, um, you know, that that's great. But um, there's something about the rehearsal room where, you know, you just have the freedom to just not focus on worrying about, you know, you're not worried about the flow of the set. You're not worried about the crowd. You're not worried about the sound. You're not worried about anything. You're just able to think about each other. And, um, man, it is. You know, with with Aaron there and having the keys, but especially having his vocals and everything, it 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 reminded me of why we why I really hold the line of we don't do gigs without the five of us. I mean, it was just so good. Um, I guess I had gotten used to the rehearsal room being the four of us because Aaron can so rarely make it uh, uh, to these rehearsals. And so, you know, I got I got used to what that was like and had had forgotten about oh yeah right it yes this is what fling really is god so is there a, a an agenda for this rehearsal well we have a gig coming up uh tomorrow night and so did you, did you dust off old stuff and well yeah we dusted off some some old stuff for sure uh polished a few things and then introduced uh some of the new originals that russ and mike have written to aaron so that you know, he's kind of in sync on those. And yeah, yeah, we I mean, we it was definitely focused on prep for uh, the gig this weekend, which was which How was long great. Uh, two or three hours kind of thing, you know, but, yeah. um, but man, I you know, I had just forgotten he is he's such a great singer. And for whatever reason, you know, these are, and these are the beautiful, magical things that happen when you, you know, play with different musicians. He's one of those one of the few people where. Vocally, he and I think exactly the same. We know how each other thinks. We can predict each other and just singing harmonies together. It's like, oh, right. Yes. This is where it's all. This is what flings about. Right. Okay. Yeah. Kind of cool when you fall back in love with your band. You know, it's not so much that the absence makes the heart grow fonder or anything like that. It's just more like it's so easy 
when you're gigging, even though when you have those moments, but it's so easy to just forget yeah. that that a band is a social construct that, you know, has all sorts of unique, magical, mystical qualities to it. And, you know, that it is, you know, I mean, take the greatest example of the Beatles, right? Right. I mean, these are four kids who happen to find themselves together or chose each other, you know, whatever, whatever you want to believe. And, uh, you know, something greater than the sum of the parts happened. And that's. Yeah, because they were a band. I mean, yes, they each have gone off. Well, you know, in their various ways individually, but but they they were best they as a band. each other better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is the thing that happens when you when you're doing it right. And it's not just an issue of talent. It's the unique yeah. issue of the mix of talents. How it, correct. How you right. hear something subtle in what the bass player does, how the you know guitar player feels the space, you know, all those types of things. That is different from band to band. And it's different from cover to cover, even even at the extreme of, of tribute bands that are going for note for note, tone for tone replications there is something unique about the amount of pressure i put on the strings to get my tone you know out of a guitar the, you know the the way exactly where you feel the beat exactly right. where the keyboard lay. i mean any group is going to be unique and have a unique fingerprint and when when respected that fingerprint can be a life defining thing, like a band's life. Yeah, a band's thing. life, yeah, for sure. And that—that's, I mean, <laughs> to 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 bring it down a little, perhaps, but just to acknowledge the flip side. It's why uh, you know we've always said, look, if we can't gig with the five of us, it's just not like the. the quite frankly, the four of us are not as good as we are when we are the five of us, and right. it's just how it is. And 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 yeah. Yeah, we, we 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 all know this to a greater or lesser degree, and 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 then experiencing it the other night was like right, okay, yeah. And I think it's like you said, it's it's a mix of the talents, but it's also when you find that that magic combination where someone else can fill in the gaps that you have, right, and and vice versa, you can sort of fill in the gaps that someone else has. So you you do get this more perfect picture. When everybody's together, because all the all the gaps are more full. I don't know. Doubt. Something like no, that. I, 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 you know. No, I, I get entirely what you're feeling. There is your band and your brand and your promise to your audience is based upon that unique thing that all of you bring together. And this is why, you know, I do. Uh, I will very, 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 very rarely sub a, a rhythm section player only yeah. if absolutely necessary. But the horns tend to sub a little bit more often. And I hate it. Because it's not the promise to our audience. Well, you don't get up. that section feel. You get, yeah. I mean, you no get matter how whole, good the guy is. No, it doesn't no matter. matter. Right. You no, know, it's yeah. not about talent. It's about experience together and it, and, you know, <laughs> shared crisis and, and just, just having played that, you know, not just the experiences off stage, but truly the experiences on stage where you For really sure. begin to learn. Ah, I, here's where I can lean on him or her a little bit. And here's where she or he is going to lean on me a little bit. And, you know, you start to kind of pull it together. I, I was thinking about that with with Uptown. I mentioned that our last gig, even though it was felt a little loosey goosey kind of going into it because the set list was became fluid. Um, it, it I said it was our most it was our best gig. It was our most relaxed and all of that. And I had forgotten there was one point. I can't even remember which song it was, but it was the song that Rachel sings 
And I think we had only played it once before. It might have been the Warrior from Scandal or uh, something. It might have been another one. But I like in the moment in the set, I couldn't remember how the groove went. And like as I as I was supposed to count off the song. And so I Marty was saying something to the crowd and I, I stood up and I you know got Rachel's attention. I'm like, sing me the chorus. And she looked at me and she's like, right. And she sang me the chorus. It was like, right. That's how this song goes. Okay, good. Uh, now I know. But like being able to like that was that was sort of a uh, an extreme example of leaning on someone on stage. I mean, that was a very literal like I need sure. your help. Please help me. A lot of those things happen more organically in, in the moment. But but knowing that I could turn to her and say, like, hey, what's this thing? And she wouldn't. You know, it was just like, right, got to solve the problem together. Good, go. And then it was like, you know, I asked her at the end. I'm like, tempo was good for you. She's like, oh, that was that was the that was great. She's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, thank you. Because You know, know what you're describing is that interesting thing that is the difference between it is like I would call my pan slightly north of semi-professional. Half the guys in my band make all their living from music and gig money as part of their, as part of their, you know, income. And I have to kind of respect that as part of the sauce that I have to, you know, mix up every time. So that's why I don't, I don't cancel gigs if we don't have the right people. Um, You do. Oh, I see what you say. You don't cancel gigs because you know, they rely on the money. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I feel that that obligation, because if that would be the other thing, if we started this thing with a 10 piece band, and, you know, every time someone couldn't make a gig, I had a, you know, I probably would have no relationships in town, you know, if I had to cancel gigs like that. And, uh, uh, you know, my band would go out and find other things to do that were that were more steady and more predictable or where that they can, you know, the guys could, could control their own destiny a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, we're having an interesting discussion in my band right now. You know, we've been around. Well, you are starting you, our 21st year. Yeah. Set up the discussion. And then and then I have a uh, I, 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 then we're going to talk about Banzoogle, but set up set up the discussion and, and, and then we'll we'll do this. Yeah, sure. So the, we're, we're going to be starting our 21st year. And, you know, um, a large chunk of our gigs every year are within 20 miles, you know, radius. Right. So we're playing the same audience often and have been for a long time. And so the discussion I want to share with you is like thoughts on on how to get everybody on the same page with regards to keeping it fresh. Or do you even have to keep it fresh aside from new material? So let's let's talk about Banzoogle and I'll kind of go deeper on that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, this is interesting. Well, perhaps there's there's help with Banzoogle here because, uh, as we mentioned, Banzoogle is our sponsor for this episode and Banzoogle's an all-in-one platform that makes it easy for you to connect with your current, your future audience, your booking agents. It, you know, it is your presence on the web. And instead of building a website by hand or using some just generic platform, Banzoogle is built by musicians for musicians, and they know what you need. So they can take care of all of the things and customize things for you as a band, which means when you are looking at, you know, this the topic here, the episode where you're talking about, I, I want to change things up. I want to keep things fresh for my audience. Well, one thing is you can create extra content and host it on your website here at Banzoogle. And you can even do like uh, a fan subscription feature 
at Banzoogle so that your fans can get some of that extra content if they're, you know, uh, paying you a, a monthly uh, fee in exchange for, you know, whatever those are, rewards or, or like I said, maybe some content or things like that. And the cool part of Ban- about Banzoogle is all of that stuff is commission free. So you can sell your music there. You can do your your subscription feature, as we mentioned. Uh, of course, you can have your mailing list, social media integrations, tools to sell merch and all of that stuff. You can have your own custom domain name. And it's all super easy. In fact, you built the house record site with Banzoogle, right? I did. I love Banzoogle. I just love all the services. I love how I can keep my site fresh. I just, you know, it, the best part about the whole concept of Banzoogle is that it is musicians building a service that they would use for themselves that just makes sense for other musicians. It really, it makes a huge difference than just going out and getting a, you know, a, a regular WordPress site or something like that. There, there's all sorts of subtleties that is the language of running the business of being, being a musician or in a band that makes sense with Banzoogle. They're awesome. Well, you can go check it out, folks. Go to bandzoogle.com and use promo code GIGGAB to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And we've got a link in the show notes that will actually bake the coupon code in for you. But if you just go to bandzoogle.com, promo code GIGGAB gets you 15% off your first year. Our thanks to Banzoogle for doing what they do and for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about what we do to keep things fresh here. Because I have... I, you know, I think about this all the time, I, as as it seems you do. But it sounds like you've got a, a specific thing in mind. Uh, well, not so much a specific thing. It's just as I, I'm having the conversations now. Don's and me, like I said, 20 years. Last year, I kind of pushed the 20 year anniversary. And let me just re- kind of restate this out. Sure. We have um, one regular club gig. You know, let's call it the at ground zero. We have another regular club gig that's about 40 miles away in one direction and one that's about 20 miles away in another direction. And yeah, they do cross pollinate a little, but they're kind of distinct things, but they're regular and they've been regular gigs for us for a really, really, really long time. Um, And then there's that whole, you know, summer uh, circuit that we do that has been, you know, there's a, there's a core of 10 to 12 of those that are, we, you know, it's our summer visit to that, Festival, but all these towns are right ne- next to each other. So there's a lot of, um, uh, I guess you'd say, density or penetration, you know, things that are on my mind. And so, you know, I am very careful thinking, am I just the one who's getting bored and have a desire to kind of mix it up and, and make things fresh? Or, you know, let me just start there with a question to you. You're a cover band. You're a successful cover band. Can you just add new material every year? And that's good enough, really for keeping things fresh for your audience. Do you need to go beyond that? I think if you're going, you either have to recycle your audience or if you're going to have the same audience, you need to deliver something new and Not recycle. Let's just say grow your audience. Grow, yeah, grow, well, but, but you will have attrition too, right? Like some people will, if you are, no, I meant recycle because if you're going to keep playing the same songs or the same, well, that's loud. Yeah, that's loud. <laughs> uh, if you're going to keep playing the same songs or even just the same type of songs over and over again and change nothing else about your show, 
you need to accept that you're going to need to recycle your audience. Some significant segment is simply going to get bored of hearing the same thing over and over again. Some people are going to love it. That's fine. But some people are going to want something fresh. And since you're not delivering it, they'll just go find another band. It's fine. Hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I think recycle is the right term. You, you need to replace at the very least replace the people that, you know, that are the attrition, right? The people that are going to stop coming to see you because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. It's the same thing. OK, they instead of playing this Bruno Mars song, they're playing that one. OK, fine. You know, instead of playing this power pop tune, they're playing that power pop tune. Like, it, yep. you know, that like that that will not work for everyone. It will work for some people. It's fine. But, yeah, I think you either need to to accept that you're going to recycle your audience, which is a lot of work to keep developing new uh, avenues to find people to, you know, to, to be your fans for this year kind of thing. Uh, you either need to do that or you need to find ways of keeping it truly fresh for your audience. Um, and I meant what I said during that band's Google spot offering a subscription thing where people are paying even just a little bit for you. I've never done this with, um, with a band, but I have done it with a podcast and man, when you pay for something, you are now more loyal than you were the day before you started paying. Makes sense. Right. It's just a psychological yeah. thing. You know, you got to set the number such that people can afford to do it such that it actually is meaningful for you. And so that's, that's a balancing act right there. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's something to that. Like I supported that band. I'm, I'm in. Okay, great. Cool. I supported them before you even found out about it. Like, you know, there's that kind of, well, there's, sure. there's that kind no, of a thing, is. right? You, you know, it's, it's human nature. So, um, giving people something, uh, different is I, I think really important. I, you know, I, um, I'll, I'll put a link to this. There's this new podcast out called the tapes archive and they're finding all these old interviews with, uh, entertainers, I'll say musicians. Yes. Comedians, you know, that, that kind of thing. And somebody turned me on to this because they know I'm a fish fan. Uh, but it turns out they also have a, an interview with Neil Peart that I've never heard either. So uh, that's on my list, but I did listen to the one with Trey Anastasio from 1993. And I I'll say that 1993 is about the time is the time when I started getting into fish because someone convinced me they were like, these guys, you would like what these guys are doing. Not even musically. I mean, yes, musically, but also all this other stuff. And in this interview, Trey talks about all of those things that, that attracted me to that band at the time. And it, it had, it was nothing in there was about, this is the type of music we play. It's, it was things like, Oh yeah. You know, we do these uh, big ball jams where we bounce balls in the crowd and each band member follows a different ball. And, you know, like all this different interactive stuff with their secret language with the crowd and the way they rehearsed improvisation to improve their their ability to improvise together and listen and follow each other on stage. All of that stuff was was really sort of the the thing that attracted me to the band. And, I, you know, in listening to it, it's like, oh, man, you know, any band today would do really well to listen to this, not necessarily to copy exactly what those guys were doing, but to think to realize there's a lot more to think about than just how are we writing the songs? How are we selecting cover songs? You know, we, we, the songs need to be there, uh, but you can do more if you just sit down and think about, okay, great. We've got that. That's table stakes. What's next? 
So I'll put a link to that interview in the show notes. It, it, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really but that, That's the thing. That's the what's next. So yeah, you know, there's like, you know, so many cover bands are, you, well, you haven't seen our fastball. You haven't seen our version of this song, right? Yeah. And, you know, even if, if it is X percent better for whatever reason it may be, if it hasn't been done a hundred times before, I, I, I don't think that that's all that you can do. And I think that right. the business of running a cover band has to do with, you know, you said recycle audience. I agree to you largely, but I think you're always trying to grow your audience more, 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 more. You should be doing uh, it whether or not you uh, are having any significant attrition. I, it's just, sure. Of course. Right. Yeah. So, but then, but then that question is there, your customers, what can you do for your customers? And, and this is where, you know, unfortunately it's not just about the art. It's not just about how good the song is. Um, especially at this level, you know, when you're talking about fish and you're talking about, you know, groups that, um, you know, the, the, like you said, the table stakes, but the table stakes are what you need to buy in and to have a, a yes. great band that writes great songs. That's, that's the essence of things. And then what do you do? And that's you not know, enough. Many bands, like that's not it's, enough. It's not, it's not enough to be, well, it, we could have different arguments about whether it's enough or not enough. If you're a national touring act that gets a big hit, and gets another big hit and comes in. But may, sure. maybe the question for everybody is about sustainability, right? Right. right. You know, right. How, how do you, what do you do? You know, well, that was you the, think about, how about, think about, think about Jimmy Buffett, very similar, you know, to what you're yeah. talking about. Right. Totally. He's not really putting out any new music. Right. But going to his event once a year has got a whole bunch of connotations for his loyal fans and he made them loyal fans. He created a, a vibe and he created a, you know, a, a scene that, that, resonated with certain types of people that the music was certainly part of that. You could almost say it's all cooked up in a lab, right? Because his branding is just so strong across everything that he does, Yeah, but it works and it's sustainable because it works. Um, the predictability is one part of, of what makes it work. You know, if you go to a concert, there's going to be people dressed in bright colors and, you know, parrots on their head and, and uh, you know, a, 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 a faux Island scene is going to emerge and, and that works. You know, what does he do every once in a while to make it different? Or, you know, again, at that at that level, you know, coming once a year, once every 18 months, once every two years is a sustainable thing. I mean, I, I'll think yeah. about James Taylor, right? James Taylor for a long time came to town once a year. James Taylor is not the flashiest stage show, but once a year, he wanted to feel the, that vibe of, the you know, the live music, you know, the way that he does it. And, yeah, you know, his I thing. go twice a year, but I would go once a year. Yep. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And and that was one of the things Fish said in that or Trey said in that interview about Fish was he's like, yeah, we we were never set up to sell albums. He said, we just we organized our band and therefore our lives to be able to tour and support ourselves by touring. And I was like, what an interesting thing. I mean, what a smart move for any band, you know, an original band. But e frankly, even a cover band, right? You know, if you can build your life such that you can support yourself by touring around, well, you're pretty much in good shape there. You know, the rest is all gravy. And, and you know, for those guys, it came. But, um, yeah, that, you know, it's a smart move. Don't expect the don't expect the hits, like you said, to be the, the sustaining thing. Create your own path to sustainability that you can control. And you can't really control whether the hits are going to be hits or not. You know, you can keep writing songs if you're an original band and 
uh, you know, working with people that can market them and all of that. But you don't get to control whether they're hits. That's right. Truly somebody else's job. Um, what you, you can control is the vibe that you create the vibe at the show. Yeah. 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 Every night and every night you get to go out there and control what that vibe is every night. So some of the things that I've pitched to my group. So first thing is, you know, a group of 10 guys, I have 10 perspectives, right? I have 10 <laughs> yeah. busy guys and, you know, we're not kids. And, and, uh, you know, I understand when I put some of these ideas out, I'm going to get some feedback, some positive, some negative, Sure. but engendering the conversation is, is one part of this. And, you know, this always tangentially dots back to our conversation about leader led bands versus democratic organizations, right? Yeah. You know, I'll say single leader bands versus multi-leader bands. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, so first I want my guys to have a, a sense that uh, evolving our act is a good thing. Right. Because so many guys are, they're just pure musicians. They don't think about the marketing aspects of things. They just think about, sure. you know, practicing their, their instrument. And that's really what their role in the band is. Right, Until right. I make a request for them that might, it, that might involve their time or their commitment or their buy-in. So these conversations start and, and I say like, I, you know, guys, we just finished 20 years. It was successful. You know, what are we going to do to keep it interesting for our, for our audience? And so just framing it that that's, that's an approach that I would, a problem I would like to address is certainly one, one part of the, of the journey. Just get them on, on the page. Let's think out of the box about how we take care of this thing of ours. The, the ideas that I offered this year are, well, we're a rock and soul band. What do you think about doing a night where we just play our rock material and bill it as house rockers rock night? And then another night where we just do our funk and soul material and uh, just themes the night. These are it's easy for us to do. We've got enough material. I was going to say it, it, it doesn't require you to learn anything new. You've got enough. You're good to go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you know when I watch a little bit of what um, that one club that we play that we play the early shift the seven thirty to ten yeah and fifteen and then the DJ comes in. You know they are constantly theming their nights and the biggest nights they have are you know Halloween costume night costume parties is a huge night for people to go out. Sure. You know, should we add some kind of a prize element, you know, or a contest element or, you know, dress, dress like a rocker, you know, um, dress like parliament, you know, uh, <laughs> I like you know that. but that's that type good. of stuff. Would that make one and you don't have to do it every single night, just mix it in. And it just, I think what it does is it keeps people, keeps their eye on us. You know, yeah. it keeps people thinking, you know, those guys are you know, They're thinking doing something different. They're, They're yeah. doing something different. Well, I mean, it's like what we did with our Cirque du Mac parties, right? E even from the first one, you were like, dude, we can't just have the band play. We got to have something else. And we we found, uh, you know, somebody that was like like doing face painting in the yeah. crowd. And then we turned had jugglers and we turned it into a party. And I'll tell you, you know, you can probably find somebody to do henna tattoos or face painting for pretty cheap or, you know, tips or like, I mean, you know, if, if you're making enough money from whatever, you know, event you're putting on, you should pay those people. But you can also kind of have them be part of your shtick and and maybe yeah. they come to every gig. And now they're sort of I mean, they don't need to be there at your band rehearsals or anything, but maybe now they're part of your show. Right. Well, there's some bands that actually have. Actually, have hired dancers. Sometimes they dance on yeah. stage. Sometimes they dance out in the audience. And yeah. you know, I, that to me, when I first heard of it, I was like, "Oh, that's silly." But you know, 
that band works a lot for a lot of money. You know, they're, we they're even thought about band. hiring a dancer at our first Cirque du Mac, but thankfully Bob put the kibosh on it. So, you know, there you uh, go. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. The other thing that I threw out there was the idea of doing a tribute night. Now, we don't have enough material in any of any one artist. You know, we might right. have six to eight at most. So we can't do a whole night. So I'd thrown out the idea, should we do a tribute night? And the feedback was interesting in that, you know, a lot, that's a lot of time and a lot of work for a one-off or even yep. a two-off if it's going to be a two-off. Yep. And, you know, although my first reaction was, you know, let's not be negative first. Let's, you know, let's explore the value of it before we just shoot it down. I, I hear it. You know, again, I have 10 guys, including Bill. And right. 10 guys with other things going on in their life and 10 guys, you know, who, you know, we're, we're not, we're not a 20 year old band looking for ways to break through, to do these types of things. And, you know, you know, if I was starting a cover band at 20 and everybody was all in and all available all the time, it might be a different conversation. That's different. This one. Yeah. But this one actually hit the wall with regards to, you know, well, why would we cover that? Why would we tribute that instead of that? And, you know, it's a lot of rehearsal and it's, you know, we're learning basically a whole new show for something we're only going to do once or twice. And, you know, my marketing mind says, you know, the risk for the reward, though, that we did something pretty big. I think we could make it a ticketed show, probably sell three, four hundred tickets and, you know, at least and, you know, and it becomes a thing. You know what one is great? You know, you know, Warren Haynes, of course, right? Of course. Yeah. So he does as as do other bands and fish fish does. Does Fish do a Halloween show or does Fish do a New Year's Eve show? No, Fish what? Fish does. Uh, well, they do both, and and so they and each is treated differently. The Halloween show has traditionally for them been that for one set, it's th- it's a three set show, and two sets are just whatever you know a fish show. Yeah. The, the the middle set uh, for for Halloween is where they don a musical costume, meaning they cover. An entire album by someone else, and they've done the White Album. And that's did... exactly what what Warren Haynes does right. when I saw. Oh, him. that's so, right. And in fact, yeah. I think wasn't it? It was. Oh, it was was Trey set in with? I think it was at Bonnaroo or something this year, where Trey Anastasio set in with. Um, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I think Warren Haynes was there, but it was Tedeschi Trucks, uh-huh. and they did all of the the Derek and the Dominoes album. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's a thing. But that's you know, a thing. You go see right. them on Halloween. Something's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to be. And again, Haynes and band did their new album you know, did a regular set, went off stage, put on costumes, came back. And then the last set was a party that was a cover of something else. And sure. they, they did, they did slide in the family stone. So, you know, but the thing was, it's a thing. It's a, and, and it, it keeps it interesting. And if, if people know what album you're going to play, well, now they also know they're going to come and hear songs that they they know and expect to hear. And that's a super important thing, too. Right. You, you know, it's sort of separate from this conversation, but it's all the same. It's, you know, retaining a crowd. You need to go and play things that you need to manage your crowd's expectations. So when people show up at your gig, they should know what to expect. Now, for some bands, that might be I'm expecting the unexpected. OK, great. <laughs> like, that's fine. But. Don't if if people are coming out to hear, you know, uh, uh, you know, power pop or something and you're like, cool, we're going to play Jazz Odyssey now. It's like, well, 
I don't know that, you know, that's going to go over all that well. But if people are at a gig where they expect to hear experimental prog rock, well, then Jazz Odyssey is a great song to play. Yeah. You know, but you don't do that in front of a festival crowd. Uh, at right. least that's what I've heard. So risky. It's 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 risky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. is a large part, like a couple of good Van Morrison certainly has has taken his audience. So he has his core supporters who will do any who will love anything that he does. Right. But he's had, you know, even though he bills it as, you know, he's doing Americana or he's doing, you know, whatever he's doing, people go to his show expecting the hits and he doesn't play the hits. And, you know, I've heard a lot of grumbling, you know, from fans that, you know, you just don't know what you're gonna get. And, yeah, and people uh, don't come again, back. And the it, artists, it, you know, yeah. make might make the decision. That's fine. You're either buying into me or you're not. And um, and that's that that's the artist's choice. But in terms of us who are battling and fighting to grow an audience, I agree with you. Unless you have found a way to package unpredictability, predictability is your friend. Right. Well, and, and even unpredictability, you can package, right? I mean, it's if, if people can come, it, it's it's not as easy to get people there. But once you've got people there, it's like, okay, I'm going to hear whatever that person's going to do tonight. I, I've i found that I like their brand of unpredictability. Yes. Cool. That's Great. Predict, unpredictability is packageable. Yeah. And surprising and delighting. I don't, I, I don't want to conflate these two things. Surprising and delighting your audience is your goal every time. Every time. Absolutely. And so that doesn't mean that predictability means they have to know everything that you're going to do. No, no. It's just how you, yeah. how you manage those, you know, how, how you manage the expectations. So yeah. I go see Bruce. I just know I'm going to go to a place, you know, every single time. How he gets me there, I trust in him. Right. And, you know, there, you know, whether it's a, a crazy cover or a funny line or a particularly impassioned version of one of the old favorites, I just trust that something's going to happen and invariably it does. And that's why I go on that long ride. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, it, I, I've seen, I mean, we all have our, our favorites. I mean, obviously fish is one of mine, but they're not the only one. And they're, they're a favorite because of their live show, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, you know, as a big rush fan, REM fan, um, and you see a band enough, you will catch them on what you will perceive to be an off night, you know, and there's a for a band that's going to be successful. There's a minimum bar and they're going to hit that bar every time. But you see a band enough and you're like, OK, well, you know, I've seen some fantastic shows out of this band and I've seen some shows where it's just like, OK, they, they got it done, but there wasn't anything spectacular. That's and that's you know, you kind of have to know that going in, you know, with you, with Bruce. You you know you're a you're a fan. If if he delivers uh, a a solid night that doesn't have any spectacular moments, you're still going to go back to the next one because you've still seen a good night. you've seen it. A it's a good night, right? And then B you've seen the spectacular moments. You know they are possible, and you know that they happen frequently enough that it's worth going back. You know even if even if you know what to expect, that kind of thing. So yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So we're just starting this process of figuring out you know, what it means to keep it new and keep it fresh. And, you know, the discussion is an evolving one. And, you know, I'm hearing loud and clear the the risk for reward or the time for reward argument. And it's funny, Russ shared with me, you know, it changes over time. You know, people's life situations change, people's people's availability change, you know. And so keeping everyone in a band on the same page is a thing. I don't know how people with multiple leaders do that, right? 
Well, in, in arguably it's easier, right? Because it's not, there's no, like in Fling, it is not Russ's band, even though ostensibly, you know, it could be argued that Russ is the, the, the leader ish, you know, um, but it's our band. Right. And so it's easy for all us all to be together. The hardest part is, you know, what we've been going through the last whatever, 18 months or so, knowing that we don't have Aaron as much as as we used to and that we would like. And so then the question is, well, do we just wrap this up? Is is fling, you know, is fling a thing that's done? And and but but that's the thing you can and perhaps in some scenarios is the right thing to do in a single leader band where it's like, OK, I want to make a change. I want to keep things fresh for, you know, my audience, my band's audience. And the best way to do that is to give them a new band. Right. Right. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you you, got to navigate your own path on that, of course. But, you know, saying, okay, we did, you know, and and I'm not saying there has been no attention fellow uh, or not fellow, but my my friends who play in the house rockers, there has been no discussion that I'm aware of of this. But just for the sake of argument, uh, spitballing here, you could say, OK, you know what? We had 20 years of the house rockers and uh, now I'm going to do a different thing. And that's wrapped up and it's over. Right. And and but you have a brand, you have trust from your audience. You could you could do a new thing. Right. And that would be. Uh, you know, un- a way of keeping it fresh. It, yeah. There's a risk there uh, because now you don't even get th- to keep the people like the people that would come to see the house rockers. Cause they like the house rockers might be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know that I need to go see Paul's new thing because eh, whatever risk. Yeah, it's risk. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. Actually, what you probably do is you get, you get, if your band was good enough, you get one shot. Mm hmm. Your new thing better be as good, <laughs> yeah. you know, in order to get that migration. But no, the goal is to find continuity. And, you know, Russ, Russ in particular comes from a band that was together almost 50 years. Right. right. Yeah. And they went through, you know, a great storied history of being a club band, being a touring band. Right. When there's a touring club. Yeah. A touring cover band circuit. I mean, they, they saw a lot of things. So my situation is, is reflective of the opportunities that are available here and now. Right. And. You know, do you grow into a special event band? Do you, you know, do you do less public gigs for a couple of years and kind of refresh the hunger for your band? Mm. The risk there, of course, is that the musicians will go find something else to do that's, you know, keep them playing. So you got to keep everybody on the same page about that. You know, should we, we've been doing a lot of public gigs for the last couple of years. Should we make some scarcity happen here and get, you know, people to miss us a little bit? That, or maybe I've seen what it that is. work, I, yeah. you know, I, and I've seen bands do it. Not not quite with that level of intention, but, you know, things happen in life and you sort of like, oh, there's other things I need to do. And then a band comes back together five, 10, even 20 years later. And it's like, oh, that's my glory days. Let's go. Yeah. You know, reunion gigs, reunion absolutely. gigs. Yeah, exactly. I it, but you're right. You have to. There's also the evolution uh that is sort of not sort of that is driven by the realities of the venues and opportunities you have to play. Yes. We talk about four walling your own gigs and all of that sort of stuff, but it is nice to capitalize on, on, you know, the infrastructure and the interest that is there. A friend of mine, uh, his band just did a pair of reunion gigs, this band called fly spinach fly. 
Uh, we they were they were an original band here in New Hampshire in the early 90s uh, at the same time that I was in an original band in Connecticut uh, called Go Figure. We we did play one gig together, although it took us five years of knowing each other recently to figure out that we did this one gig together. We played a battle of the bands together. Uh, but other than that, we, we really didn't run in the same circles, but we ran in the same kinds of circles. And so he and I were talking about this. And back then, man, there were all these all ages clubs, you know, high school kids would go out to see live music. They wanted to see original music that was being made by, you know, people their age. And like we made, you know, we had a nice thing going where we had, you know, rabid fans. They had the same kind of thing up here. And that just doesn't exist anymore. Like those opportunities, those kinds of clubs. It, I mean, we don't have them around here. And it certainly was, you know, we, these two areas were kind of separate. The, the, the north of Boston area and then sort of the, the around New York-ish area. But it was, you know, certainly comparing notes. It was like, oh, yeah, we had all those clubs. What What happened? Like. How come my kids' friends don't have anything like that to go to? And it's just, yeah, because it doesn't exist anymore. Another thing has been willing to humble yourself a little bit. So we're about 50 miles from San Francisco, and there's a there's a clique of bands, cover bands, that, yep. that are out of San Francisco. They have great representation. They play a lot. They make a lot of money. They're great bands. They're basically, you know, all – touring pro musicians sure. and they do this, you know, as, as when they're not touring and pro, right. You know, swallowing our pride a little bit and saying, Hey, you know, we don't have much of an audience in San Francisco. We, we don't have much penetration into that market. Should we open for those bands that requires all 10 guys to be like, yeah, that's a good opportunity, you know, not be like, well, we're a headliner down here. You know, you got to kind of, you know, that would be another thing is like change our geography a little bit, but that might imply a few things. So, you right. know, especially in the cover band where you are measured by your draw as so, much yeah, as you're why, measured by your show. Why would that be swallowing any pride? I like I've, I, cause I've done a ton of that opening for people, people opening for us. I always love those things where you can have another band and learn from another band and, you know, be able to expose to another crowd. I've, I've never thought about that as like, <laughs> Oh, we have to swallow our pride to do that. That's I, I mean, yeah, I'm not I have, saying I may have just given you a, an insight into my own personal biases about these types. Of things, yeah, but. maybe I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't share my 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 thoughts with judgment. In fact, my thoughts are shared without really any filter. <laughs> I just sort of threw it out there like, ah, oh, I never I never maybe I should have been looking at it that way. I don't know. Maybe my bands would have been more successful <laughs> if I did. But I don't one know. Way that, one way that it does come in is it, uh, you know, the pay scale. Right. So. Oh, for sure. You're going to you're going to get less. But are you willing to invest the time to expand. And again, we're talking about geographies of hmm. 50 to a hundred miles. I know that there's some parts of the country where cover band musicians are traveling a hundred miles to do a, you know, to do a hundred dollar gig. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's just, that's just the reality of where they live. So, you know, I don't, I don't personally think that it's that, that it's that, but, but the point of it all is evolution is painful. You got to take some risks. You got to think out of the box. You got to try some things that are different. They won't all work out. There's no guarantees in life. And sometimes it takes a long, longer arch, a longer arc to see the results of, of the effort that you put in. And, you know, as a band, they're hard, you know, if everybody's not on the same page. I know for me, 
Like when I feel like the guy, anyone in any endeavor that I do feel like they're, you know, a being had to have been talked into something or, you know, when it's not that harmony, like we're all marching together, that's when it feels like it's most effective to tackle new challenges. But when, when anyone is like, you know, I'll do it, but you know, that kind of ruins the joy in it, you know, and then, you know, you get back to that place where part of the, part of doing this is, yeah, we want to accomplish and achieve more, bigger, better, funner gigs, but you want, you know, I think being in a band is a team sport, even though I'm the, I am a leader, I do have a lot of empathy and I want the guys in the group bought in. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will more often than not, not do something if I sense that there's, there's not enough buy-in and, you know, I don't even know if a simple majority is enough. Um, Anyway, so yeah. the point. No, you're right. Yeah, simple majority is that that's a good point. And when you're when you're doing something like this, it's not just all right, well, yep, we this is how we voted now. Everybody's on the same page. Right. It's like, no, no, six of the ten people are on the same page. It it didn't change just because we voted. Right. <laughs> you know, those four people are still doing this gig <laughs> out of duress. That might not be what you want to deliver. Uh depending well, that on is, that certainly is enough to create a problem friction right? you know, oh, big time Even if half of your band yeah. one less than half of your band is is unhappy with something but even yeah, if it's just one friction. person i mean i've i've done things in bands and i won't share any names or you know i'll protect the innocent here but uh other than me i i think i've been this person once or twice too but i've done things in bands where it's like we're doing a gig or a song or a something where everybody's bought in except one person and that is poison. It, it just like you can't. I find it nearly impossible to ignore the fact that I know that that person that I am sharing the stage with and doing this thing with is not disaffected is. Yeah. yeah, is not happy about doing this, does not want to do this. Um, that's tough. Like, I can't give it my all, even though I'm fully in, you know, it might even have been my idea. Like, you know, but it doesn't like even if I'm in. It's hard to be fully in if I know, oh, I got to carry that person or I got to worry about that person because I, I do. You know, I I have I have trouble being a sociopath. Empathy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always well, said life would be easier if I if I was more of a sociopath, but it's just not how I'm wired. So I guess I got to I guess so I, I just have one. It. Absolutely. So just one one last thing I want to share today is um, we lost a, a member of our musical community in the in the South Bay area. A really, really nice guy who who succumbed to cancer. Uh, it is it really, and in the, the guys in his band are obviously torn up. The, his family, who I know, is is obviously torn up. He was a really good guy, and uh, his name is Jim Manganello, and he was an original musician. Loved Bob Dylan. Um, I just want to take a moment and send love out to the Workhouse Poets Band. And to um, and to the Manganello family. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. It's um, it's a reminder. Yeah, it's a reminder is what it is. Yep, yeah. These things. This will the great equalizer, right? So, yeah, that sucks though, man. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that for sure. Is uh, yeah. I hope the hope the band can find whatever the band obviously is family, but uh, which, you know, the band is probably extended family for him at that point. Uh, yeah. I hope they can find a path for themselves. That's, that's without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, man. Well, is that is that what we're ending it today? I think it is. Yeah, I just want to throw that in the end. I'm going to a service on on uh, on Sunday, so I just was on my mind, and yeah, I think it's good to throw it out to the musical world out there that um, what we do matters. Um, it ma- you matter to your bandmates, you matter to your fans, and you know when one star is left, one star less is in the sky. It's uh, just something that we should all just take a moment and reflect on how lucky we are to do the things that we do. Yeah. Well, that's a nice, um, that's a nice sentiment for, uh, for a Friday show, even though I think this won't come out till Monday, I might, I might sneak it out in the feed a little early, but um, you know, it's a, it's yeah, it's a nice sentiment because we're all going to go do this this weekend. And so remember, you know, we're lucky to be able to do it. Even, even if the load in sucks, even if you got to fight to get the sound right, even if, you know, something with your setup is imperfect and, and all of that, we are still lucky to be able to go take those stages and, Without and, a doubt. Uh, and do that. So yeah, that's, that's a great place to, it's a great place to end it for me. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you, uh, send us, send us your, your questions, th- thoughts, tips, feedback at giggabpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. We really do. It's awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Paul. Hey, when you're gigging this weekend, man, one thing, always Tell me. be performing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>